Richard Flint, and welcome to part four of our series on the hurrying of children. Folks, there's a crisis, a war going on with children today that we must pay attention to. Children are being forced to not be children. The most important self-development stage of their life is being taken away from them. Children are children, not adults. Children need to be children, not turned into adults. Children need time to develop and grow through the experience of being a child. Take away childhood and you create one messed up adult. In my years of working with human behavior, I've counseled so many young people who are struggling because they weren't allowed to have childhood. Without childhood, which is the most important developmental aspect of their life, there's so many important personality and growth lessons that are lost. Just look around life today and you'll see so many examples of young people who are lost, emotionally dysfunctional, searching for love in all the wrong places. Children must be allowed time to grow up. And to do that, children need parents. Yet in too many situations, children lack parents. Oh, they may be around those who brought them into the world. But that doesn't mean they have parents. They may be around just one of those who brought them into the world, but that doesn't mean they have parents. They may be part of a yours, mine, and our situation, but that doesn't mean they have parents. I think the time we're living in has, in, in so many ways, redefined what a parent is, the role they must have in the lives of those they created. Now, you don't have to agree with me, but this is what I believe the role of a parent should be. Prepare them for a healthy life. Always surround them with love. Rebuke those who want to indoctrinate them with unhealthy teachings. Educate them spiritually. Never allow them to question your love. And teach them the meaning of life. Don't spoil them by giving them everything. In this episode of The Hurrying of Children, I want to focus on the role of parents in the development of children. My guest is Cody Butler, who lives down under in Australia. Cody, I have been looking forward to this, so welcome to Let's Talk Human Behavior and the discussion on the hurrying of children. Uh, you know, audience doesn't know you, so tell us a little about yourself, your family, your concerns about what's happening to children today. And what your family has done to help with preparing the right environment for your family. Well, thanks. Firstly, thanks for having me on, Richard. I, I appreciate you inviting me onto the show. So, yeah, my my name's Cody Butler, and uh, I've got a I've got a uh, a couple of businesses around family, marriage, and raising children and stuff like that. Because that's really the most important thing I, I find. It's a it's a it's a ministry for me as well as well as a job, and it's absolutely critical. The the, the world that we're going to move into in the future is going to be created by the children of today. And it's really the most honorable profession. Uh, it's the most honorable job. One of the hardest jobs that you can do is to raise children or to try and raise, raise children into not just productive members of society, but, but healthy individuals as well that are going to, they, they're going to live a happy, fulfilled life. And they're going to, they're going to leave the, the world a better place than they found it. So, I've got three children myself. I've got three boys. I've been married for, I think I was, I think this was my 11th year anniversary, anniversary this, this year. So I've definitely got my hands full and uh, yeah, my, my real focus is on, on marriage and, and the family and, and raising children, helping people raise children. When we were talking about you doing the show with me, you mentioned that you had moved your family out of Sydney. Yeah. Why? Yeah, we moved from we moved from Sydney out into 
the country just be it's a healthier it's just a healthier environment for 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 children to be raised in what they're being exposed to in the city and not just that it's what it's what we have to do as parents to to raise our children in the city the city is a very expensive very expensive place i mean i i was living in sydney which i think was officially the most or the second most expensive city in the world i know pretty much every city is going to be very very expensive to live in these days so the things that we have to do even to just make ends meet in terms of earning a living and leaving the house giving parent giving kids to grandparents or, or other childcare facilities to uh, to to where we can actually go out and make enough money just to make ends meet really just just to just to survive it's much harder it's much harder in the city moving out into the country it allows us to to live a lot lot cheaper i guess it allows us to really focus on the family versus focusing on making an income and making a living and doing the, just just getting caught up really in the things that we, we need to do to survive just the provide the basics for our families and I just it's just a healthier environment it's a slower it's a slower pace I've got very young children so I have a two-year-old a, a four-year-old and a six-year-old and things just move too fast for children and the city is very very fast anyway the uh, video games move too fast television moves moves too fast life in general moves too fast it's just far too much stimulation for a young mind so we decided to move out into the country to to slow things down and really focus on on the family versus focus on having careers and working and stuff like that. Well, was the pace of life the major concern uh, that caused you all to make the decision to move to the country? Honestly, uh, we, we've been thinking about that for a while. I mean, the, the, the real determining factors were, were what's going on in the world in terms of the pandemic and, and the laws that are being passed around that there's there's some especially in australia and i believe it's pretty much everywhere in the world but i know where i am there's really some very draconian laws where the government is giving themselves more and more control over your family they're giving them they're giving you more and more rights to go giving themselves more and more rights to actually enter into your home uh, to determine how you're raising your children and obviously it's just that there's less government overreach out in the country. There's less chance of, of interference. I want to, I really just want to be left alone to, to, to raise my family and enjoy my family and to do it without the, the oversight and overreach of the government and having laws where they can literally come into my home and really enforce their will upon me and make me do what they want to do. So moving out to the country was a way to get away from that as well, for sure. Cody, can you... Give me one illustration of where you think the government has overreached into the family of what's happened there in Australia. Well, I mean, it's, it's everywhere in the world, but it's like sexuality is a great place to start, right? The, the children now, well, really the, 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 trend, the, the, the gender transition is one, is one big thing. It's like, if your child, is confused about their gender you're not allowed to help them with that you're not so allowed who, to help who's them. supposed to help who's supposed to help them then well that would be where the state would step in i gotta i gotta be very careful what i say here because we have a lot of laws in australia where i you know i, I can get into trouble even for just just speaking about this stuff but for example if you're if your child decides if your male child or biologically male child decides that they're a female and and you you try to talk them out of that you, you can really get into a lot of trouble for that. You can really get into a lot of trouble for that. Well, you know, we, we have this situation here in the United States where government is constantly right now overreaching uh, their boundaries. Yeah. It, it seems like that the essence of everything is to take away the rights of parents. And, you know, I don't... I don't know what it's like in Australia, but here in the United States, anytime the government touches anything, they're just going to mess it up. Just going to mess it up. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, so another good, another good example, Richard, is, is, is the vaccine situation. And, I, you know, I don't know what anybody's opinion on vaccines. Are. I don't I don't really care, to be honest with you. But it's like when the government start giving 12 year olds the right to consent and the parent no longer has the right to make that decision. 
that that's problematic. Like to give to, to give a twelve year old the right to consent to a medical treatment is it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And, and if they're able to consent to medical treatments, well, what else are they able to consent to? What else are they are they now going to say a twelve year old can consent to without the parents' knowledge? Well, it seems like the emphasis today in so many situations is to take away the rights of the parents and the government looking at parents and telling them, we know more about how to raise your, raise your children than you do. When, when you and I talked about uh, us doing this show together, yeah. um, you, you made some very interesting comments that I wrote down. Um, and, and I'd like to take some of these and really talk about them because I think what you're dealing with today, so many parents here in the United States um, and around the world are dealing with. One that you mentioned was the idea that the family is being destroyed today with a planned attack. Um, yep. Talk to us about that. What, what did you mean? Well, I'm going to get all conspiracy, conspiratorial on you here, Richard. And, and it's, in, in my opinion, and this is obviously just my opinion, it's like we're, we're, in, we're at the, the, the tail end of a, of a 40 year communist revolution. And in order for the, in, in a communist state, that the state obviously is the, is the focus and is the most important thing. And, and it's the thing that is more important than anything else. And in order for that to happen, in order to transition from uh, a situation which we have, we've had over the past, well, for, for living memory really, where the family unit is the center of what's going on. And the father is the head of that, cent, uh, of that unit it's very difficult to get anybody in that unit to then pledge their allegiance to the state and put the interest of the state and the interest of the community above the interest of the family and, and, and the interest of the family unit. So in order for the US, and it's worldwide, it's not just the US, but in order to transition from the, the political system that we've enjoyed for the last, well, really since World War II, I guess, and to start to transition that into a more socialistic, communistic okay. system, the family unit has to be destroyed. The authority of the family has to be destroyed and the focus has to be taken from the allegiance to the family to the allegiance to the state. So there has to be a systematic and planned process of destroying the family. And that's, and that's what we've seen for, for the last 40 years. I mean, I'm, I'm 47 years old now and, and I, I can really remember seeing it from the 90s, I guess I was in my late teens, early 20s in the 90s. And I, I was really noticing it then. I was starting to see, well, there's a transition going on here. It probably was going on before that, to be honest with you. But that's where I kind of became aware of what was going on. You know, Cody, I, I, I agree with you here because what I've watched in sitting back and just uh, seeing the plan, um, anybody who knows me knows that I believe there's always an agenda behind the agenda. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. Sometimes we're not privy to the agenda behind the agenda. Yeah. But I think the agenda of uh, the socialistic movement, and we're feeling it here in the United States right now, but they want to destroy, to me, three things. They want to destroy our belief in God and take God away from us. Yep. They want to destroy the family because they know the family is what holds everything together. And then in the taking God away and the destruction of family, they want to remove the kids uh, from a family atmosphere and put them in an environment where they can be indoctrinated. And what I see today that scares the daylights out of me mm -hmm. is that teachers don't teach today. They indoctrinate. And that scares me. I mean, and it's, it's everywhere. It's in elementary. It's in junior high. It's in high school. It's in the university system. Uh, I used to teach at the university system and I'd watch these professors who didn't teach, but they brainwashed kids with their opinions. And this whole movement with transgender where, uh, you know, that, you know, God created man and woman. He created male and female. And he created us to be that. And for someone to stand in front of a child who doesn't know or doesn't understand even what's being talked about and to program them. Uh, and I'll say this again later, to me is a form of child abuse. 
And I think the systems today are abusing children in a way that parents need to stand up and say, you're not going to do that to my child. So Absolutely. what do you feel has happened to parents today? I mean, do you feel that parents really have the time to be parents today? When, when you look around, like when you were in Sydney, and you look around at the, the different families that y'all were associated with or you were, or you were with, what did you see? Oh, what did you see? Yeah, well, the, the, a, a, a couple has a baby, they get six weeks of maternity leave, and then that child is in the, the misdirection, miseducation system from that point on. They're, they're from, from six weeks on, the, the parent has to go, both parents have to go back to work because through various monetary policies and instruments, they've, they've increased the cost of living to such an extent to where it's really very difficult for one person to create enough income to support a family at this point. So both the mother and the father have to go back into the workforce. Then the child goes into childcare from, from the age of six weeks onward, onwards, basically. And it, it's back to the grind. So really the, the, the childcare is being outsourced from the very earliest of ages. And it's, it's being driven by consumerism. It, it's being driven by the, the, we're just being told that it's just greed. Greed is driving it as, as well. You look at the crazy, crazy, crazy housing prices. Everybody wants to buy a house because they just think they're going to get rich from buying a house. And they've been told that that's what they should do. And of course, it takes two incomes to buy that house. So one, once a couple buys that house, then that's it. They're in slavery from that point on. They're, there's no way that they can really get out or it, it would take a very exceptional circumstance to where they, one of the parents, one of the couple can get out of working because they have to pay that mortgage. And when, once you're stuck in that mortgage, then that child or those children are then stuck in the educational system because that's, that's where they have, to take, they have to put the children somewhere while they're at work for, for eight hours a day or 12 hours a day. So that's what I'm seeing a lot of is it, it's both, both people within the, the relationship are working, being driven through consumerism and then putting the child or the children into childcare because there's no other they have no other option, basically. Cody, when you were growing up, uh, did your mom work? She she worked around. She worked around my father's schedule and our schedule. So when when we were all we were all at school, she would work during the day while we were all at school. Uh, I mean, homeschooling wasn't really an option then, like you had to send children to school, but she, she raised, my, my parents raised us at home until we went to school, obviously. And then uh, she would work evenings a couple of nights a week as well. She was, uh, she was a caregiver. She worked with the elderly. So she would, she would work evenings once my dad came home. So there was always somebody in that. We were never, we were never home alone. I, I, I can't ever remember being home alone. I was well into my teens before anybody in our house was left home alone. I was never, never handed off to somebody else or never home alone. Now, do you have uh, siblings? You have brothers and sisters? Sure do. Two brothers and a sister. I'm the oldest. Yeah. Would you consider that y'all were a close family? I would say so. I mean, we had our, had our ups and downs like everybody else, but I would say we were close family for sure, yeah. What do you think made you close? Well, we were, it was just a small, a small house, necessity. Uh, <laughs> three, you know, three, three boys sharing a room together. The close, you know, it's like they say, the closer, the closer you are, the closer you are. I mean, I've got, I've got three boys now and we have, we have the means to, give them their own bedrooms if, if, if we so wanted, but we put, we put them in the same bedroom together because the closer you are, the closer you are. We, we want them to build that bond and we want to make sure that, that, uh, that they're learning to share a space together. They're learning to cohabitate. They're learning to become dependent on each other and to depend on each other. As a parent, what was your dad like? Yeah, my dad was very strict. My dad uh, suffered fools uh, didn't didn't suffer fools as they say, and uh, uh, if he said he, he if he said something, he meant it. You better do it. <laughs> and what was your mom like? She was kind of the uh, she softened that a little bit. So 
uh, it's kind of like me and my wife. Like if I if I was to raise my children by myself, I probably would be too harsh and too strict. And if she was to raise the children by herself, she probably would be too lenient and too easy on them. So I think this is this is where the traditional family is very very important. It requires both the male and the female to to to, to raise a family successfully. It requires that 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 disciplinarian from the father, and it requires that. Uh, caregiver and love from the mother and, and when the two come together it's a great thing the two balance each other out and you, and you get everything that you need in the relationship when when one of those things is missing it's there's either going to be too much discipline or there's going to be uh too much I, I wouldn't say too much love but there's too much love without discipline too much love without discipline can be a bad thing let's say well too much love without discipline to me is protecting the child from life yeah and this is one of my big issues that I've had for years is I think that our, our parents today are so busy being busy that they really don't have time to create the parent presence that they need to have in the house. So rather than dealing with situations, uh, they seek to buy the love of their children through things. And one of the things I see today, I was, uh, one was I the other day, and I was I was talking to a gentleman. Um, I was was playing golf, and this gentleman wanted to know what I did, and I explained to him, and I told him about this series that we were doing. And his daughter is a state trooper in New York State, and she was working that day uh, in the Capitol because there were four busloads of young people coming up to protest that they had to pay rent that they shouldn't have to pay rent. I mean, do, do you and your wife, have do y'all have y'all worked out a system where y'all parent together? Oh, I, I, absolutely, it's a, it's a team effort. We've got a, the, the, those kids are smart, man. They, they will run us ragged and they, they will figure out every weakness if, if we're not a, a unified team for sure. So yeah, we, we have to combine forces and, and parent together for sure. What happens if y'all disagree on a parenting style? Do y'all talk about it together? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, obviously in a democracy, or you can't have a democracy in a population of two, right? Because in any situation where uh, there's a disagreement, you will put it to the vote. And in, in, in the democracy of two, it's going to be a hung vote every time. So the, the, the way that we resolve that is uh, reality is created through agreement, right? So we talked about these things before we got married. So our agreement is that in the event of disagreement, we defer to the Bible. The Bible is the ultimate and final say. So whatever the, whatever the Bible says is ultimately what we're going to go with. And if there's some ambiguity as to what that is, then uh, then I would have the final say on that. Because obviously, as I said, in a, in, a, in a democracy of two, somebody has to have the final say or else you're going to have you're going to have a catastrophic situation. There's going to be no agreement. You're going to have an irreconcilable difference. So we decided before we got married that in the event of any disagreement, we would go to the Bible. If that was ambiguous, then I would have the final say. And that was our agreement. And now some people won't like that. Some people won't agree with that. But reality is created through agreement. This is this is the agreement that we both voluntarily entered into prior to getting married in order that the marriage can can survive and progress in the event of what otherwise would be an irre irreconcilable difference. So spirituality is a very important part of your home? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And now here's the fun part of what I want to talk to you about. <laughs> yeah. When we were uh, when we were interviewing and we were talking about you doing the show, you mentioned four things that you feel need to be done today to raise healthy children. And I'd like to discuss each one of these because I think uh, there could be some controversy here over <laughs> uh, no the beliefs that you have, but that's okay because yeah. beliefs are beliefs. And um, what many people call a belief is an opinion. And an opinion is something that I state that I'm not sure I believe, but I just vocalize it. And I took these as to be beliefs uh, that, that you have. And I'd like to talk about these just one at a time. The first one you mentioned was 
the need to reject social norms. I mean, what does that mean? Well, society is broken. I mean, if, if, if you disagree with that, if anybody listen, listening to that disagrees, then, then that, that's fine. Just go ahead and keep doing what we're doing. We have the highest drug usage in the world. We have the highest depression rates in the world. We have the highest suicide rates in the world. Yet we have the highest standard of living in the world as well. So uh, the, the, the social norms are broken. Society is, is, is broken. So what we're being told as how we should behaving, what we should be valuing, what we should be moving towards and what we should be aspiring to be is broken. It, it's just broken. And if you don't want to move towards depression and the drug use and the problems that society has, then you've got to reject the norms that are coming towards you and you've got to replace them with something else. It's just, just common sense would tell you that. So uh, what, what we're being told that we should value, that what we're being told we sh how, how we should behave, all of this stuff, it, it just doesn't work. It's broken. So as a parent, how do you and your wife teach your children the difference between right and wrong. So there has to be consequences. So the, our children are very young. So the easiest way is you reward good behavior, uh, you, you punish bad behavior, and you teach where that source of authority has come from. So again, for us, our source of moral authority is biblical. It, it's, it's the word of God. So we obviously have to take time to teach our children the word of God. We have to take time to get them into it. We have to take time to uh, get, get them educated in the word of God. And we have to make sure that they understand that. And then we have to reward the behavior that is gonna benefit them. And we have to punish that behavior that is gonna, is gonna hurt them and is not gonna serve them ultimately. So we tell that we give them the authority and then we give them the reward or the punishment for, for, for choosing. They have a choice, obviously they can, choose to, they can choose to follow it or they can choose not to, but there are gonna be consequences either way. Now you use a word, you use the word uh, that has become a very controversial word today. And that's the word punish. Punish, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, if, a, if, a, if one of your three sons you know, breaks the rule. Uh, and like you said, there are consequences. Yeah. Can you give me uh, and the listeners an idea of what you mean by punish? So, so they, they could very well be um, withdrawn from an activity that they, they value. Uh, they could have their, some of their television time removed or their entertainment time removed. Uh, they're, they're basically going to be shown that Every choice that you make carries a consequence. And if you make good choices, you get good consequences. If you make bad choices, you get bad consequences. And a lot of times uh, I, I try, I really try not to tell my children what to do. So uh, my, my, let's say my oldest child was saying, I'm gonna do this, he'll tell me, he says, I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna go outside and I'm gonna take a hammer and I'm gonna start smashing something. And I'll tell him, I'll say, hey, if you think that's a good idea, EJ, go ahead and do that. If you think that's a good idea, then you go ahead and do that. And he'll ask me a question like, well, what's going to happen if I do that? And I'll just tell him, I'll say, there'll be consequences. And he'll ask me, are those consequences good or bad, Dad? I said, well, you need, I, I think you know the answer, but you need to find this out for yourself. So nine times out of 10, by just telling them that you, you can do whatever you want, because this is the reality of life, right? As they grow up and as they leave home, I, they, they're going to be able to do whatever they want. So my goal is not to tell them, no, you can't do this or to actually stop them to do it. I want them to make that decision for themselves. And the way that, the, the way that I do that is, to, is just to make them aware. You can go ahead and do that if you want some, but there will be consequences. So what you do then is you give them the freedom of choice. Give them the freedom of choice. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I, I know a lot of parents uh, that uh, the word punishment or consequences is about taking away something that is important to them. Yeah. Because we live in a very visual world today. And I think that so much of our world is driven by technology. It's driven by the internet. It's driven by TV. It's driven by what they see. Yeah. And I think sometimes... Um, you know, taking away something that is important and then 
you know, helping them understand why this consequence is in place. I know this one couple and I've watched them for a couple of years and I like what they do is that if there is a consequence, then uh, the two of them will sit down with the child, explain the behavior and then ask the child, what do you think the punishment should be? And I want you to find, I want you to define the punishment for what you did. And it's, it's, it's been very interesting watching them because it's really created within the children a sense of thinking uh, before they do what they know they shouldn't do. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think uh, we've got to face the social norms today and that uh, it, it seems like that what we're teaching is there is no wrong. And well, that, that's one of the social norms, isn't it? That we've, we've got to address there is wrong. And we, the very people that are telling us that there is no wrong are the ones that are going to punish it. You know, you know, try not paying your taxes, see how that works out. There's punishment for that. The, the, the people that are telling us that, that there, are, there is no right and wrong, the government, for example, they, they're going to punish you. They're, they're the big bad wolf. They're, they're going to get you as bad as anybody, right? But they, 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 they're going to punish you as much as anybody if you don't comply with their world. So the, the fact that you know, punishment is bad. That is one of the social norms that we really need to, if you want to, in my opinion, at least, if you want to raise successful children, then, then that's one of the social norms that absolutely has to be kicked against. Yeah. This and the second one, and I know this one's going to be controversial. <laughs> um, you, you said women need to raise the children. And to me, that's an implication that uh, the wife needs to stay home and be with the children. But in our world today that lives overextended, uh, is driven by the collection of things, uh, has tons of credit card debt. Yeah. Financially, they struggle. Uh, how do you do that when the family needs two incomes just to survive? I mean, we've gotten ourselves in a trap, it seems like. It's an ambush, we've been ambushed. We've so, been ambushed. Absolutely. What what do you mean by this? So so first off, let, let, let me qualify that. I think when, when I say that the, the woman should stay, I, I think the woman should be allowed to stay home and raise the children and it should be considered an honorable profession. So you, you asked me about friends in, in the city that I moved away from. Uh, it's it's very looked down upon for a woman to be a stay at home mom. It's very looked down upon. It's it's the woman is expected to go out and have a career and raising children is not considered a career. Being a full-time mother is not a career. Now, if a woman is aware of the consequences and she understands the consequences of her behaviors and she is making a conscious choice to go out and be a career woman, power to her, let her do that. That's fine. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But what I, what I am saying is that I think it, it should be acceptable for a, like, for a woman to say, I want to stay at home and be a full-time mom. That's really not that socially acceptable these days. So I, I think the woman should be given that option. That right should not be taken from her. And it should, it's the most honorable profession. It should be considered a career to stay at home and raise your children. So that, that's the first thing I think, Richard. Well, and, I, and you know there, Cody, that I've seen this at parties where one woman will look at another woman asking, well, what do you do? Oh, I'm a exactly. stay-at-home mom. And just exactly. the look on their face. Exactly. Uh, and the, you, you don't have a job. And, you know, raising a child uh, is exactly. work. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, there, there is no manual. Maybe, maybe that's one of the things that you should do. You need to write a manual on raising children, um, <laughs> but there is no manual. Yeah. And I, I think that as we've moved the emphasis away from family as a unit to family as things, yeah. we've lost in some ways that foundation. Absolutely. And I like the third one that you said. Parents need to take back the hearts and minds of their children. Yeah. So what does that mean? Well, we've, out, we've outsourced the thinking of our children. So, and, and look, it, it's really easy to do. I've, I've got three kids. I know what it's like, man, you get tired. It's hard work. And I, I, 
Now, I, I, I never judge the parent these days that it's in line at McDonald's getting their kids chicken nuggets at McDonald's because I know I know how hard it is and sometimes you just you just need to do that. But the, the problem is the television raise, raises our children then we put them in daycare and then uh, they're spending eight to 12 hours a day in daycare. The, the, the majority of their awake thinking time is spent in the presence of somebody else. And I guarantee you that the people that are looking after your children, whether it be daycare workers, whether it be schools, whether it be universities, they have an agenda for your child. They absolutely positively have an agenda. The people that are making the television shows and the movie, these, these television shows and these movies are made with the specific agenda of winning the hearts and minds of your children. Any, any core change in society, any change of norms and morals and values to where we're going to... Which, which is what we've seen, right? We've shifted away from a Judeo-Christian system into basically a secular humanist system over the last 40 years. In order for that to happen, 40 years ago, there had to be a conscious attempt. Somebody had to say, we're going to have to change the minds of children. We're going to have to move the minds from the Judeo-Christian values that the parents are giving these children right now. And we're going to have to start indoctrinating them with secular humanistic views that support our agenda. How are we going to do that? Well, television, movies, video games uh let let's let's push consumerism let's make it unacceptable for a woman to stay at home and, and raise children let's 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 start the feminist movement and get women into the workplace and let's get them so entrenched in debt that they can't can no longer go back into the home their children now have to go into daycare and then once the children are in daycare then we can start to in, really impose some draconian laws on the parents because we'll just take away that that's what happens here in australia right if you don't comply then your childcare gets taken away from you you're not allowed to put your child in childcare, or the, the financing for childcare gets taken away from you you've got major problems you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to survive if you do that so uh, you know in order for the, the the social norms in society to be shifted and to be moved then then the powers that be the people that are that, that are pulling the puppet strings on this know that the minds have to be changed university system is is the most flagrant attempt at this we can see you know good luck you know if you put a christian child into a university good luck getting them back good luck getting them back i've seen it so many times where parents have done the hard yards raising their children and then they put them in the university system at 18 and they get back an atheist revolutionary three or four years later they get back an atheist revolutionary it's going to be really difficult for that child to to come back to the roots that they were raised so before we go to the the fourth thing i i, I want to put three things in front of you number one uh does your does your wife work outside the home no. Was this a decision that y'all made uh, when, when you found out that y'all were pregnant with your first child? Or was this something y'all talked about before? Yeah, so I think, I think this was the plan for, for forever, really. So again, I mean, like you asked a question, I didn't, I didn't answer it a few minutes ago, which was how do you get out of the trap, right? How do you avoid the credit? How, once you're in this trap, how do you get out of it? Well, the answer to that is like, you've got to make these decisions in the beginning and you've got to work towards that. So my, my goal from the various, uh, very earliest time in our relationship, even when we were dating was like, I'm going to really focus on making enough income to support us as a family to where my wife doesn't have to work. And she, she did work early on before we had children. And I wouldn't, you know, I'm not some male chauvinist who's going to stop. If she wanted to go into the workplace, I, I, I have no issue with that whatsoever. She's a free, she's a free spirit and she's free, she's a free agent. She can do whatever she wants to do. But we, we had that conversation prior to getting into the situation and saying, okay, well, I, I really need to focus on creating enough income myself and putting ourselves, putting us into a situation where you don't have to work. The, you know, th to create that situation where I give her the choice, where I give us the choice. And that, and that's the thing. I mean, that, that's all I really want for anybody. It's like, I'm not saying that you should go over here and you should do this, or you should go over there and you should do that. What I am saying is create a situation where you have the choice. If you want to be a stay-at-home mother, if you want to be a stay-at-home father, fine. Create the situation where you have the choice. Don't find yourself in a situation where you're having to hand your children over to other caregivers because you've made some decisions that really weren't your decisions. You, you were told to make these decisions by some very clever 
manipulative techniques and you know some very clever advertising techniques and some very other clever stuff that's gone on that's really put you in a situation that you don't want to be in so just just really make that decision decide that you want to get out of this situation and start to move towards getting out of it and you're going to have to make some hard decisions to do that you're going to have to sacrifice materialism you might have to live in a smaller house you might have to drive an older car you might have to uh, give up going out to dinner three or four nights a week you're going to have to make some sacrifices but you got to decide what you want right and once you decide what you want put a plan in place to get that well, you know, to me, what you're talking about is as a family, what are our priorities? Exactly. What, what are you your know, priorities? One of the things I watch, and I used to work on the staff of a very, very, very large church. And I used to watch as parents, what I would feel, get their children over involved in everything. That, you know, there was something every night of the week. Uh, yeah. And if you had two or three children, they were all involved in different sports. So, you know, you had to run here and run there. And what that did is yeah. it took away the family. And what it created was not a house, not a home, but a house where people just came and uh, from their exhausted world and slept and then went back into their exhausted world. And what happens with to me with that is that the family stops living together and starts existing together. Well put, yeah. Well and put. then there is that the loss of that connection. When 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 you were growing up, did y'all eat meals together? That's a great point. Absolutely, every day, every day. And there was one meal put on the table, and we stayed there until it was eaten. <laughs> <laughs> and what happens if you were late for that meal? Well, that that wasn't really an option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that wasn't, uh, you make, you bring up a great point there, you know, it, eating together is very important. I think, you know, if you want, if you want to build the family, then that is absolutely critical. And that, that's one thing that's been lost, right? That couples, families don't eat together anymore just because they're too busy. Well, and we keep fast food restaurants in existence. Yep. Yeah. Now, do y'all have a TV in your house? I have a TV, but it's not connected to anything. So there's a DVD player on there and, uh, uh, we have internet on the TV for their schoolwork and stuff like that. So we're not, we're not connected to the networks or anything like that. So uh, I do have some, some, uh, some apps like Netflix and maybe not, not Netflix, but those type of apps where I can control, I can put a movie on and I can control what they're seeing. But generally speaking, no, they're not allowed to watch television in terms of the, the, the network shows and stuff like that. Okay. Because to me, TV is another form of brainwashing children. Absolutely. I mean, we got we got a series of commercials. We have a sports channel here called ESPN. Yeah. And I was talking with uh, one of my friends today, and all of a sudden, there's this commercial that's on uh, all the time on uh, transgender and yep. how how right it is to be transgender. Yeah. You know, it's. It, it's like it's a form of brainwashing. And even, uh, you know, even some of the, the children shows uh, where now uh, Big Bird is gay um, and where, uh, you know, uh, Superman is gay. And we're taking so many things and we're taking those minds that are impressionable. And so many parents don't monitor what their kids are watching. Uh, now, do you? They can't. They can't. They're too busy. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the one thing you said earlier too that you were never home alone. And the number of children, because of the societal pressure and the work in the parents, the number of children that come home and uh, they're home alone, or after school they hang with their friends uh, because there's nothing to go home to. One of the things, Cody, that I saw uh, when I was doing a lot of research into family was how many times, you know, uh, kids today, when they gather in groups, they call that cocooning. And, you know, they go out as a group and they'll end up at one of the parents' homes, one, one of the homes. And the thing we learned is that the home that they end up in is the home that they feel where that kid has the best parents. And that home is, is loving. 
And I know there's one couple that uh, they, <laughs> they have to run the kids off. And the kids are always wanting to know if they can move in with them. <laughs> um, because of the fact that there is so much that is missing. Do, do your children have any of the uh, Game Boys or any of the, the internet or the, you know, the technology uh, equipment, the, the iPads and stuff that they use? So I've just, I've just, in the last couple of weeks, bought the main Nintendo Wii. So, because they're, they're, they have access to this stuff. Like my, my oldest one is six years old now, which doesn't sound very old, but it's like, it's amazing how tech savvy they are. So they have to have computers and laptops and stuff for schoolwork. They, they have to have that stuff. And it's amazing the stuff that he's finding. So he started uh, being able to find games and find stuff online. So I bought them a Nintendo Wii, which is sports, sports games. It's not the, it's not like a PlayStation or something like that. It's, it's fairly as far as video games go, it's fairly, it's fairly healthy. So that, that was kind of our compromise. They, we, we decided they could have a Wii, a Nintendo Wii. But uh, yeah, you gotta be careful, man. Like those, those uh, the, the indoctrination is in the video games as well, for sure. Well, do, I'm picking up that y'all homeschool your children? Yeah, we do, yeah. Okay. And the reason for that being? Well, we want, we want to be able to control the, the, the quality of the education and what's going into their minds and give them a more balanced, a more balanced worldview. So the, the, the school system is entirely secular human these days. It's really no, there's no Christian worldview at all being presented in, in the school system. And, uh, you know, we present both sides because we have to, there's a, there's a, there's a curriculum that we have to present, right? We have, we have to present uh, the, the same curriculum that they're going to get in the school. It's not like we can not teach them certain things. We have to teach them certain things, but we have the ability to balance that. So we have the ability to say, this is a theory. This is, this is, uh, this is what a lot of people believe. These are some other options that other people believe as well. The, this is, uh, this is not the only view. So evolution is a good example, right? It's like you've got evolution and you've got creation. It's like evolution is a theory. A lot of people believe that this is what evolution teaches. This is creation. This is what creation teaches. And a lot of people believe this as well. So we're able to give them both sides of, of, of the argument versus if they were in the school system, they would only be getting evolution, right? They would be being taught evolution as though that was absolutely categorically true. And there's no other possibility of anything else whatsoever. So it gives us the ability to, to, to balance what's going into their little minds. So the fourth thing you said is that we need a revival of Christian values today. Absolutely. How do we attain that? I mean, I agree with you. Uh, I, I think that we're pushing, we're pushing God as far away as we can. And I, I get disappointed sometimes in um, the church because I think sometimes the church needs to take a, take a stronger stand on uh, the indoctrination that's being done today. And we need to get back to you know, understanding that we are a spiritual being and that we need to, we need to learn that Christianity is living from the inside out with a set of values where we can have a presence that causes people to look at us and see that we're grounded uh, in our beliefs, that we're not scattered all over the place. So what, what's it going to take, Cody, for uh, this revival of Christian values? Well, I think, I mean, the problem is the, the pulpit has been infiltrated, for one. It's like when, when the revolution started 40 years ago, when, when the change from, from, from Judeo-Christianism, uh, Christianity to secular humanism started to take place, the people orchestrated this were well aware that the pulpits had something different had to be preached from the pulpit. And the message has become more and more watered down, more and more watered down. We've got this all inclusiveness, all inclusiveness. We have to be inclusive of everybody. We can't be, we can't offend anybody. We can't speak the truth from the pulpit if it offends somebody. So 
I mean, the first step that's got to happen is really preachers have got to take back the pulpit. We need a generation of preachers that are going to preach the word of God. And, and that's very difficult now because it got to the point where I know in Australia, for example, if I went down to the, the, the town center and I started literally preaching the word of God, I, I would be in a lot of trouble. It, it's, they passed laws recently in Australia where you can go to prison for praying for somebody now. You can literally go to prison. There's tw they, they passed a, a law recently, 12 years potential prison sentence for praying that the, 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 the transgender situation, if a transgender comes to you and asks you to pray for them and say, they say, I'm really confused and whatever, and I want you to pray for me, you are not allowed to pray for that person. If you, if you pray for a transgender person, 12 years is the potential prison sentence. So that, that's step one, right? So now that's just opened the door to, if you can go to prison, if you can go to prison, if you can be in prison for 12 years for praying for somebody for that particular thing, well, what, what about, where does it go? It, it's just gonna get to the point where the Bible is gonna be illegal very, very soon. And it really is in a lot of ways already. So it's got to the point now where we've let things go so far that it's gonna really start to cost some people to stand up and start to take this back. We, 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 need, we need men and women of God that are gonna stand up and they're gonna speak the truth. And it's like this conversation is difficult and it's controversial, but you know, we've got to speak the truth. We've got to say what needs to be said. And there's a lot of people out there that believe what we believe and would like to see the transformation back to a more Judeo-Christian society that we're talking about. They're just scared to speak up because they're going to be labeled bigots. They're going to be labeled homophobes. They're going to be labeled transphobes which is absolutely ridiculous. It's like, just because you don't agree with something doesn't, if you don't, just because you don't agree with homosexuality doesn't make you homophobic. It doesn't, doesn't make it, it's ridiculous. So yeah, we've got to, we've got to stand up. We've got to start, we, we've got to decide what we want, right? We've got to decide as a society what we want. Do we want this or are we going to do something about it? Are we, are we just going to accept this and continue to move forward in that direction? Or are we going to actually do something about it? And it's got to start in the it's got to start in the pulpit, and it's got to start with men and women just standing up and saying, "This is what I believe." And you can call me a bigot, you can call me a homophobe, you can call me a transphobe, you can call me an Islamophobe, you can call me any kind of phobe you want. But this is this is what I believe. This is what I stand for, and this is what is going to happen in my universe and with the people that are close to me. Yeah, here in the states, they classify you as a domestic terrorist. Domestic terrorist. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. Cody, what do you and your wife want for your children? We want, we want them to love God, to fear God, to live a godly life. And if they do that, we've done our job as parents. The rest, the rest will take care of itself. If, if you love God and you fear God, as it says in the book of Proverbs, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God then you're going to make the right choices and you're going to do the right things. You, they may depart temporarily, but they'll, they'll come back. So we want to give our children the skills that they need to live a successful life. And, and in, our, in our opinion, in our minds, that that is loving God and fearing God in equal proportions. So you and your wife have agreed on a plan for raising your children. Yes, absolutely. Do you feel that today y'all are parents rather than just visitors in their life? Absolutely. And, and it, it's difficult. I mean, like homeschooling is not easy, Richard. Nobody, nobody wants to do that. It, it's not easy. It's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to do. It's time consuming. It's expensive. It's a lot of work. A lot of the choices that we have to make, it's like there's, there's a lot of sacrifice involved in those decisions to, to, to raise the children in a way that we feel gives them, gives them the, the, the best chance of they, that they have of success. And it's very, it's very rewarding, but it's also very, very difficult. So, I mean, I think, yes, we have a, we, we, we have a plan. We've sat down and we, we've discussed the plan. We have a direction that we want to go in together. Uh, we're prepared to make sacrifices both of our time and our finances to, to to do what needs to be done to give that plan the best chance of success really yeah you know i i agree with you that um the family is under attack today 
and uh, as we've been talking about, that the attack is not by accident. No. It's planned, uh, and it's part of a bigger agenda to remove God, destroy the family, and brainwash children today. Absolutely. So if you were to give parents three tips to be an exceptional parent, what three things would you tell them? I think that's a good question. So I think the first thing would be you have you have to become aware of the danger. You have to become aware of a day. If you if you go out, you know, I live in Australia, so like snakes are the main thing here. If I if you know, I've got to make my children aware of snakes, right? I've got to make I've got to give my children safety around snakes. If you're in the US, maybe it's bears, maybe it's you know, wildcats, something like that. But you've got to become as a parent, the first thing is you, you really have to become aware of the dangers and, and so many parents that I talk to are just not aware of what's going on. They just don't see the agenda. They just don't see the battle for your children's minds and they just don't know what's going on. So the first thing really is like, you've got to educate yourself and, and start to become aware of where this is going, what they want for your children and, and the weapons that they're using to, to, to get that agenda to happen and you know it's the television it's the school system it's it's all this kind of stuff you got to become aware of that that's the first thing the second thing is you've got to decide what you want right you've got to decide what you want for your children and that that can be very difficult because that's going to be that's going to cost you something like homeschooling was a very hard decision for us homeschooling was a very hard decision because it was a really really was a big sacrifice for us to, to homeschool the children, but it's like, okay, well, what, what do we want for our children and how committed are we to it? How committed are we to it? So we've got to, you've got to really decide what it is that you want and you've got to make the commitment. It's like, okay, I'm going to do, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to proceed with the plan regardless of how difficult it is. And finally is you've got to separate yourself from the mentality of the world. The world is going to do everything to make you feel you're doing the wrong thing. They're going to make you feel insignificant. They're going to make you feel like what you're doing is not the right thing for your children. And, and they're going to make you feel like you're harming your children and that you, you're doing damage to your children. You've got to, you've got to prepare yourself psychologically for, for that. And you've got to start to uh, separate yourself from the mindset of the world and separate yourself from the opinion of the world, because that is the number one weapon that is going to be used against you to manipulate you to get back onto the agenda it's going to be, uh, you're going to be looked down upon. If you're a woman and you want to raise your children, if you want, you're going to be looked down upon for that. If, you, if you're a man and you say, I believe in the family structure and I believe in the Judeo-Christian, you're going to be looked down. You're going to be called a male patriarch. You're going to be called a, you know, a white supremacist. You're going to be called a Nazi. You're going to be called a terrorist. You're going to be called a chauvinist. You're going to be called all kinds of stuff. You've got to be prepared to deal with that and separate yourself from that mentality and say what the world thinks about me is not important to me it's what god thinks about me and the results that i'm providing for my family that's what's important and if you can do those three things i think you've got a fair a fair chance of success yeah well you know for me i said this earlier but i believe that what's being done to children today is a form of child abuse absolutely I, i've said that before and i will continue to say it but for me, we have to wake up to what's happening to children today. They're our future. And what they're being presented at an early age, I think and feel is dangerous to their healthy development. You know, it's not the role of the school or the government or the internet to indoctrinate or to raise them. It's the role of the school to prepare them with the educational skills to become a healthy, well-prepared adult. You know, and when the educational system stops doing that because they see their role as indoctrination with their opinions. To me, they've overstepped their role and their behavior must be confronted by parents, by those who understand that the role of the school, the administration, the teacher is not to program the mind of a child, but to teach them and expand their knowledge, which will allow them to be prepared to be a healthy adult. It's the role of parents to prepare, teach, love their children, and for them to become the mental, emotional, and spiritual guide for them. Uh, Cody, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed uh, spending this time with you. And if anyone who's listening to this would like to reach out and uh, 
just converse with you? How, how could they reach you? How could they reach Cody? Yeah, so I'm on, I'm on, I'm on Facebook. Facebook is a, is a great way to find me. CodyButler.com is, is my website. You can check out CodyButler.com. Uh, I'm not hard to find. Google Cody Butler. I, I, I don't make myself hard to find, so I'm not incognito. <laughs> well, I have a feeling we'll have some people reaching out to you, and uh, I, I enjoy your wisdom. I enjoy your work. Thank you. So let me just pull this together by saying this. Let's not sacrifice our children to those who want to own them emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Who want to take away spiritual values and replace them with doctrines that destroy them. And just to get back to this, let's let children be children. Let's not make childhood a race to adulthood. Cody, again, thank you. I appreciate you. appreciate your words. Thanks thank very you. much for spending this time with me. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me.